Hey, everybody. It's the NPR Politics Podcast here with your results from Tuesday night's Wisconsin primary vote. As a result of the people of Wisconsin defying the media, defying the pundits, I am more and more convinced that our campaign is going to earn the 1,237 delegates needed. We have now won seven out of eight of the last caucuses and primaries. Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz won the night. I'm Scott Detrow, campaign reporter. And I'm Domenico Montanaro, political editor. And we are here with a little more about what Sanders and Cruz's victories mean and what's next to the race. Domenico, big night for Ted Cruz especially. Well, Ted Cruz and Bernie Sanders both had big victories. Ted Cruz finishing with the majority of the vote looks like he uh, beat Donald Trump here. He's going to get the lion's share of the delegates out of tonight. That's going to make it just a little bit harder for Donald Trump to get a majority of the vote. Now, it might not be a you know giant night for Ted Cruz necessarily because he's not going to be able to pick up a majority of delegates probably by Cleveland by the summer convention. But what it does mean is it looks like we are heading to a historic open convention. Because it's been a very tight path for Donald Trump to get the delegates he needs to clinch the nomination on the first ballot and avoid this floor fight. The number, you've heard it before on this podcast, I'm pretty sure you'll hear it again, is 1,237. And what we've been looking at all week is the fact that Trump could get there. It's a very narrow path. But now that Ted Cruz is taking a lot of delegates from Wisconsin, we don't have the final sense yet because that depends on congressional districts. It is a lot harder for Trump to get there. And we know for sure that Trump cannot even have a chance to clinch the nomination until the very last day of the primary process. Yeah, Trump probably out of tonight's going to need something like 55 percent of all the delegates remaining in that range. And this is not this 1237 number. It's a big pet peeve of mine. But Donald Trump at a recent debate said that it's a very random number and he doesn't know how that was conceived. You know, it is exactly half plus one. Domenico, do you know why I know this is a pet peeve of yours? Why is that? Because you said it when you and I did a Facebook Live show earlier today. You said it when we did a uh, radio show, and now you've said it here on the podcast. I even wrote it on the white marker board (laughs) that was there that you can check out on our NPR Politics Facebook page if you'd like. But point is, Donald Trump is going to have a harder time now. And for the first time since 1976, we could be looking at something that looks like an open convention where somebody doesn't have enough votes going into Cleveland. It's really a fascinating, remarkable thing. So you've got the math outcome of tonight, which we talked about first because we know how much you love math. But there's also the (laughs) the much less scientific idea of political momentum. And uh, Ted Cruz began this race. Uh, remember when Ted Cruz was an outsider, you know, oh, not that long ago? Now, now he's uh, the, the establishment of the GOP. Just absolutely apparently loves this guy. Right. You've had a, a real gelling of, of big Republican names behind Ted Cruz, which, which kind of has more to do about them not wanting Donald Trump to be the nominee than them wanting Ted Cruz to be the nominee. But in Wisconsin, you had Scott Walker, the popular among Republicans, uh, Republican governor of Wisconsin and uh, Feels like years ago, but one time presidential candidate. He endorsed Cruz. He went out and campaigned with him. He seemed to make a big difference. So my question to you, Domenico, is if establishment Republicans, big name Republicans continue to line up behind Ted Cruz, how far does that get him? Does that make him able to compete in the northeastern states we turn to next? 
Well, we're going to start to hear a lot about what winds up happening at the convention if he's kept below. Uh, because a week before the convention, if, Trump's kept below. if Trump is kept below the 1237 and just how far below is going to be important too. You know, if Trump is at 1200, maybe he gets it on second ballot at a convention. But if he's 150, 180, 200 behind, it might be a little tougher for him. And we're going to start to hear a lot more about this rules meeting that happens a week before the convention where they're going to be voting on a rule that says essentially that either Donald Trump or Ted Cruz would be the would have to be the nominee because it says that the only person who can be the nominee is somebody who's won a majority of delegates in eight states. The only two people who have done that or are on track to do that are Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. Tr- Cruz has only won. Now it'll be six states. He thinks he can get to eight. Trump's already won more than eight. So we started off by talking about the Republicans. But on the Democratic side, once again, Bernie Sanders has beaten Hillary Clinton. This is his sixth straight win. Yeah, and that shouldn't be downplayed, you know, and the math is the math. But regardless of that, winning six straight places, winning in a big state like Wisconsin, you know, there are vulnerabilities for Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. Even if she does wind up becoming the nominee, you know, limping into a nomination is not something that she wants. And, you know, the Sanders campaign has made the argument that they can win the pledge majority. Even if they don't win the pledge majority, they're hoping to flip superdelegates to come to their side. And you're talking about the difference between pledged delegates who kind of go based on the state results and the superdelegates who are party officials, kind of free agents and can make their own decisions and are a group of people that the Bernie Sanders campaign and Bernie Sanders supporters are not thrilled with at the moment. Well, no, because... Not thrilled with their existence. (laughs) Well... Well, that's true. They know that they, I mean, you know, the campaign behind the scenes knows that they have votes that count. You know, the fact of the matter is Hillary Clinton has a bigger lead with them this time around than she ever did uh, in uh, 2008 against Barack Obama. And Obama wound up overtaking her. Uh, May 12th was when he, uh, he wound up doing that. Th- this time around, there's no sign that that's possible unless Bernie Sanders can knock her off in a place like New York, her home state where she was a senator, a lot of other places like that, that potentially could be totally game-changing here. Well, we're going to talk more about New York and what's ahead in a few minutes. But before we say goodbye to Wisconsin, um, this was an interesting race for a couple different reasons. One of them was the fact that there was a two-week break on either side. So it was kind of like a flashback to Iowa and New Hampshire in those early states where we had a lot of time to uh, – the campaigns paid a lot of attention to Wisconsin. Reporters all spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. I spent about the last week uh, in Wisconsin uh, going to events and talking to people. What else was interesting about this race for you? I mean, if you think about how organized Wisconsin Wisconsin Republicans have been over the last several years, given Scott Walker having to fight off recall efforts and having to win several elections over basically a constant election his entire first term as governor. Right. And that has coalesced a lot of the Republican forces who know how to fight Democrats were able to coalesce around Ted Cruz to fend off Donald Trump. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back to talk about what's next. We'd like to say a quick thank you and share a message from one of our sponsors, Stamps.com. Mailing and shipping can seem like a no-win situation. Trips to the post office are time-consuming, and leasing a postage meter is expensive. There's a better way. Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer. Sign up for Stamps.com for a special offer, a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone, and enter politics. 
All right, we're back. I'm Scott Detrow. I'm a Yankees fan, and that's Domenico Montanaro, and he's a Mets fan, and I say that because now the attention <laughs> turns to New York. Speaking of, uh, you know, rivalries, hey, we're not we're not killing each other in here. We're doing okay. It's the still April, though. Baseball season just opened up. Yankee. That starts for both teams, but that's okay. <laughs> um, New York State, uh, I guess the first question I have to you is we're starting to see Again, it was very, very unlikely at the beginning of the campaign season, but we're starting to see the, this kind of coalescing behind Ted Cruz. How much good do you think that does him in New York, uh, Donald Trump's home state, and a state that, well, uh, the Republican Party is very different than New York as a whole, is not exactly like a prime location for, for evangelical, <laughs> really Republican <laughs> Uh, types of uh, voters that, that Ted Cruz has typically tried to, to mobilize around. Uh, y- you think? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You're the uh, the Bronx baseball team fan, and Ted Cruz is holding an event in the boogie down. I don't understand exactly how that is going to go down because, and, you know, he's doing a very controlled small event, yeah. uh, going to a charter school. He certainly can't hold a kind of huge rally, you know, there. That is not where Republican vote comes from but in this state. But here's the interesting thing about the BX. Um, oh, Ted Cruz is is going to be there, but the way that New York divides its delegates is that it's kind of like Wisconsin where it's by congressional district. So there are, and this is a story I'm going to be working on next week, there are incredibly Democratic districts throughout New York State, but the small number of Republicans there are going to have a big say. They're almost like super, super, super delegates because you have these districts where the number of Republican voters in the past has been in the hundreds, but they'll still have just as much of a say on electing a group of delegates. I believe it's three per congressional district as these big, huge Republican well, districts in like Long Island. And that that speaks to Cruz's organizational game. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and, and speaking of Long Island, that is where Donald Trump is going to be with his first event out in Bethpage, where there is a golf course uh, and he's going to be, you know, pretty close by. Yeah. And it's been a while since New York State has been competitive on both sides um, for people who aren't uh, up to speed on it, give us a, a rough idea of what a New York primary looks like, just in terms of the attention, the tone, how it plays out. Well, New York's never really had to deal with this kind of thing. I mean, New York's never been the focus of a primary. You know, a mayoral race is certainly a whole lot different because that's where, you know, it's a four to one Democrat to Republican advantage in the city. And certainly uh, in New York City, you see a very hotly competitive primary process. Upstate and in Long Island is where you see more of the Republican vote coalesce. Uh, upstate is a huge swath. And it's going to be interesting to see if, if Hillary Clinton is going to do what she did as a senator and try to carve a path across the farmland mm-hmm. in upstate New York, where she won over a lot of people for her very nuanced views. And, you know, Bernie Sanders held this big rally in the Bronx to start off. He's born in Brooklyn. He finally got a debate in New York. Uh, And, you know, the Clinton campaign had said that when you hear Bernie Sanders message, they kind of slipped and said, when you hear Bernie Sanders message, maybe that margin that she's ahead with might narrow. But this is a place she's won statewide before where she lives. I mean, it's a it's a must win for her. Right. And the the Sanders campaign has made a lot of noise about making a big push and making New York competitive. They're riding momentum right now. Wisconsin was the sixth straight win. But I guess I need to see more evidence before I buy the idea that Bernie Sanders could make a big push in New York. And that's because, like you said, she was elected senator there in 2000, 2006. She won by wide margins in 2006. I believe at the time it was, if it wasn't the record, it was up there among the the highest margins of victories ever in New York. Um, 
And like you mentioned, Hillary Clinton really did make a big effort to, to go, spend a lot of time in upstate. And the other thing that's worth pointing out is that uh, she won pretty easily in 2008 uh, in, in that you know contested race against Barack Obama in New York. Mark my words, these next three weeks are going to be the three weeks that determined who the Democratic nominee is going to be. OK, you've got New York followed by a slew of northeastern primaries, Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island. Those states are all going to determine whether or not Bernie Sanders is for real and can win this 57 percent majority in big primaries uh, in places he hasn't been able to do so far. If you were to pull that off in New York, Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, places like that, even if Hillary Clinton, you give her Maryland where she's favored at this point because of the demographics. Boy, if he could pull that off, you know, people are going to be looking at him a lot differently. If he can't pull it off and loses the lion's share of the delegates in those places, by April 26, by that night, we'll be sitting here saying that Hillary Clinton was the likely Democratic nominee. And on the Republican side, the big question is whether Ted Cruz can make a play in these northeastern states and really continue his momentum and uh, cut into Donald Trump's delegate total. Those are two things we'll be paying a lot of attention to. We'll be talking a lot more about here. That is it for tonight. We are going to bed. As always, you can find us on Twitter at NPR Politics. You can also send us an email at nprpolitics at npr.org. I'm Scott Detrell, campaign reporter. And I'm Domenico Montanaro. I thought we were just getting started, but that's okay. Political editor here at NPR. We've talked a lot today, Domenico. <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> we'll see you in our roundup later this week. Until then, thanks for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. <laughs>